Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. Welcome to the mansion on the hill. This is the home of Terry's mysterious moments. Stories of oddness, of weirdness, of nature gone strange. This is season four. We thank you for coming along for the ride. Hope you enjoy it. Hello there, folks. This is Terry from Texas. Have you ever heard of a ghost light or seen one? Well, in folklore, a will-o'-the-wisp, or Innis Fatuus, which is medieval Latin for fool's fire, is an atmospheric ghost light seen by travelers at night, especially over bogs, swamps, or marshes. The phenomenon is known in English folk belief, English folklore, and much of European folklore by a variety of names, including jack-o'-lantern, friar's lantern, hinky punk, and hobby lantern, and is said to mislead travelers by resembling a flickering lamp or lantern. In literature, will-o'-the-wisp metaphorically refers to a hope or a goal that leads one on but is impossible to reach, or something one finds sinister and confounding. Will-o'-the-wisp appears in folk tales and traditional legends of numerous countries and cultures. Notable will-o'-the-wisp include the St. Louis Light in Saskatchewan, the Marfa Lights here in Texas, the Naga Fireballs in the Mekong in Thailand, the Paulding Light in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and the Hestalen Light in Norway. While urban legends, folklore, and superstition typically attribute will-o'-the-wisps to ghosts, fairies, or elemental spirits, modern science often explains them as natural phenomena such as bioluminescence or chemiluminescence caused by the oxidation of phosphine or diphosphane and methane produced in organic decay. The term will-o'-the-wisp comes from wisp, which means a bundle of sticks or paper, sometimes used as a torch, and the name will, thus meaning will of the torch. The term jack-o'-lantern, or jack-of-the-lantern, originally referred to a will-o'-the-wisp. In the United States, they're often called spook lights, ghost lights, or orbs by folklorists and paranormal enthusiasts. That's the proposed science of the matter. Now let's move on to the mysterious part of Will-o'-the-Wisps. Folk belief attributes the phenomenon to fairies or elemental spirits, explicitly in the term hobby lanterns found in the 19th century denim tracks. That's D-E-N-H-A-M, tracks. The Denim Tracks constitute a publication of a series of pamphlets on folklore, 54 in all, 
and collected between 1846 and 1859 by Michael Aislaby Denham, a Yorkshire tradesman. Most of the original tracts were published with 50 copies, although some of them with 25 or even 13 copies. The tracts were later re-edited by James Hardy for the Folklore Society and imprinted in two volumes in 1892 and 1895. It is possible that J.R.R. Tolkien took the word Hobbit from the list of fairies in the Denham tracks. In her book, A Dictionary of Fairies, K.M. Briggs provides an extensive list of other names for the same phenomenon, though the place where they're observed, graveyard, bogs, etc., influences the naming considerably. When observed in graveyards, they're known as ghost candles, also a term from the Denham tracks. The names Will-o'-the-Wisp and Jack-o'-lantern are used in folk tales, recorded in many variant forms in Ireland, Scotland, England, Wales, Appalachia in the United States, and Newfoundland in Canada. In these tales, protagonists named either Will or Jack are doomed to haunt the marshes with a light for some misdeed. One version from Shropshire refers to Will Smith. Will is a wicked blacksmith who was given a second chance by St. Peter at the gates of heaven, but leads such a bad life that he ends up being doomed to wander the earth. The devil provides him with a single burning coal with which to warm himself, which he then uses to lure foolish travelers into the marshes. An Irish version of the tale has a ne'er-do-well named Drunk Jack, or Stingy Jack, who, when the devil comes to collect his soul, tricks him into turning into a coin so that he can pay for his one last drink. When the devil obliges, Jack places him in his pocket next to a crucifix, preventing him from returning to his original form. In exchange for his freedom, the devil grants Jack ten more years of life, when the term expires, the devil comes to collect his due, but Jack tricks him again by making him climb a tree and then carving a cross underneath, preventing him from climbing down. In exchange for removing the cross, the devil forgives Jack's debt. Now this may be a part of the comment about a person who's so wicked the saying goes, heaven wouldn't have him and hell don't want him, for no one as bad as Jack would ever be allowed into heaven. So Jack is forced upon his death to travel to hell and ask for a place there. The devil denies him entrance in revenge, but grants him an ember from the fires of hell to light his way through the twilight world to which lost souls are forever condemned. Jack places it in a carved turnip to serve as a lantern. Another version of the tale is Willie the Wisp, W-H-I-S-P related in Irish folk tales by Henry Glassie. Sayadna by Peter Ua Leoger, yet another version, and also the first modern novel in the Irish language. Mexico has two equivalents as well. In one, they are called brujas, or witches. Folklore explains the phenomenon to be witches who transform into these lights. 
The reason for this, however, varies according to the region. Another explanation refers to the lights as indicators to places where gold or hidden treasure are buried, which can be found only with the help of children. In this one, they are called luces del dinero, or money lights, or luces del tesoro, treasure lights. In reference to this concept, I was recently told a couple of stories I'm going to slip in here, told me by an experiencer of the stories. One deals with ghost lights leading to hidden treasure, and the other a story about children finding treasure. My friend William told me this story just this week. Some time ago, he was driving with his father from San Marcos, Texas to Lockhart, Texas on a mission to procure some of Lockhart's famous sausages. As they were driving through the countryside, which at times can be no better than a prairie covered with scrub brush and mesquite trees, his father told him this story of a man he knew who was walking down the road and was passing a now-gone homestead beside a large oak tree. As he drew near the homestead, he heard a disembodied voice which said, If you find my head, I'll show you treasure. To which the man responded by taking flight on down the road as it scared him to no end. He found himself passing the same place the next day and once again heard the voice saying, If you find my head, I'll show you my treasure. Not so shocked this time, he began to talk with the voice, asking it where to find its head. The voice answered by telling the story of a time gone by when his home was invaded by men who wanted his rumored stash of money. He didn't tell them of its whereabouts, so they killed him. They beheaded him and tossed the head across the road into a field. They never got the money. The man listened to the story and was moved to help put this spirit to rest. He allowed the voice to lead him into the field to a certain place and was told to dig there. He found the victim's skull, then asked where was the body. Again the voice led him back to the crumbling homestead and was told where to dig to unearth the body. He did and he found the body. He then respectfully put the skull where it belonged. The voice thanked him and told him to go out front to the big oak tree and he would be shown where the treasure was. He recovered the skeleton in the proper way and when he was done he went around to the oak. There was a strange glowing light hovering over an area of the base of the tree so that's where he dug. As he dug the light disappeared. Then after a little more digging he found the treasure, a small hoard of coins totaling a tidy sum. The other story William told me was of a time when he and some cousins were skipping rocks across the Rio Grande in far south Texas. At the time, the river was less than a rain puddle deep, but water was coming as it had been raining upriver and the waters were on the rise. As the river began to rise and become a bit violent, one of the youths noticed the opposite bank was being eaten away by the surging river. He called attention to it when a box was exposed in the dirt. 
As the boys watched, more of the box was exposed. Then it began to be torn apart by the waters. As the integrity of the box failed, the boys watched as coins began pouring from the box into the river. Then the box was totally swept from its place and rushed downriver and out of sight. It was some time before the rain surge had passed and the mighty Rio Grande was safe enough to cross, but as soon as it was safe, the boys went back to that spot, waded across to where they'd seen the box. But they were unable to find any of the treasure as it had been taken away by the rushing waters. Perhaps it had been carried out into the Gulf of Mexico. The swampy area of Massachusetts known as the Bridgewater Triangle, which I've spoken of before, has folklore of ghostly orbs of light, and there have been modern observations of these ghost lights in this area as well. The Fifolet or Faux Filet of Louisiana is derived from the French meaning fool's fire, or more accurately, foolish fire, far closer to the Latin root of the word. The legend says that the Fifolet is a soul sent back from the dead to do God's penance, but instead attacks people for vengeance, while it mostly takes part in harmless, mischievous acts. The Fifolet sometimes sucked the blood of children. Some legends say it was the soul of a child who died before baptism. Will o' the Wisp is a part of the folklore in Brazil, Argentina, Colombia. Venezuela and Uruguay. Boitata is the Brazilian equivalent of the Will of the Wisp. The name comes from the old Tupi language and means fiery serpent. Its great fiery eyes leave it almost blind by day, but by night it can see everything. According to legend, Boitata was a big serpent which survived a great deluge, a flood. A boy Guacu which is a cave anaconda, left its cave after the deluge and in the dark, went through the fields preying on the animals and corpses, eating exclusively its favorite morsel, the eyes. The collected light from the eaten eyes gave Boitata its fiery gaze. Not really a dragon, but a giant snake. In the native language, boa, or umbo, or imboa. In Argentina and Uruguay, the will-o'-the-wisp phenomenon is known as Luz Mala, or the evil light, and is one of the most important myths in both countries' folklore. This phenomenon is quite feared and is mostly seen in rural areas. It consists of an extremely shiny ball of light floating a few inches from the ground. In Colombia, La Candeleja is the will-o'-the-wisp ghost of a vicious grandmother who raised her grandchildren without morals, and as such, they became thieves and murderers. In the afterlife, the grandmother's spirit was condemned to wander the world, surrounded in flames. I wonder, could she be the patron saint of drug cartels? In Trinidad and Tobago, Asukuya is a fireball witch, a witch that takes on the form of a ball of flame at night. This spirit is, like the other versions, evil. It enters homes through any gap it can find and drinks the blood of its victims. The Sukuyu, or Sucreon in Dominican, 
Saint Lucian, Trinidadian, and Guadalupean folklore, also known as Lugaru, which confuses me as I thought this was a werewolf in France and Louisiana, but spelled as L-O-U-P-G-A-R-O-U, two words, Loup Garou. The Sukuyu is in Haiti, Louisiana, Grenada, and elsewhere in the Caribbean. Or, Old Hig, also Old Haig, possibly from the Dutch, in Guyana, and Jamaica, or Asima in Suriname. In the Bahamas, it is known as the Hag, a kind of blood-sucking hag. Could this be the hag of so many nightmares? Alea, or Marsh Ghost Light, is the name given to a strange light phenomenon occurring over the marshes as observed by Bengalis, that's in India, especially the fishermen of West Bengal and Bangladesh. This marsh light is attributed to some kind of marsh gas apparitions that confuse fishermen, make them lose their bearings, and may even lead to drowning if one decided to follow them moving over the marshes. Local communities in the region believe that these strange hovering marsh lights are in fact ghost lights representing the ghosts of fishermen who died fishing. Sometimes they confuse the fishermen and sometimes they help them avoid future dangers. The Kirbati, the ghost light, also known as the Chirbati, is a strange dancing light phenomenon occurring on dark nights reported from the Bonnie grasslands its seasonal marshy wetlands and the adjoining desert of the marshy salt flats of the Ron of Kutch near Indo-Pakistani border in Kutch district, Gujarat state, India. Local villagers have been seeing these sometimes hovering, sometimes flying balls of light since time immemorial and call it Chirbati in their Kuchi Sindhi language with Chir meaning ghost and baddie meaning light. Similar phenomenon are described in Japanese folklore, including Hitodama, which is literally the human soul, as a ball of energy. Hinotama, which is a ball of flame. Aburage, Koamonbi, Ushianabi, etc. All these phenomena are described as balls of flame or light, at times associated with graveyards, but occurring across Japan as a whole in a wide variety of situations and locations. Kitsune, mythical yokai demons, are also associated with will-o'-the-wisp. In European folklore, these lights are believed to be spirits of the dead, fairies, or a variety of other supernatural beings which attempt to lead travelers to their demise. Sometimes the lights are believed to be the spirits of unbaptized or stillborn children flitting between heaven and hell. In Sweden, the will of the wisp represents the soul of an unbaptized person and it's trying to lead travelers to water in the hope of being baptized. Danes, Finns, Swedes, Estonians, Latvians, and Lithuanians, and Irish people 
or amongst some other groups believing that a will-o'-the-wisp also marked the location of a treasure deep in ground or water, which could only be taken when the fire was there. Sometimes magic tricks were required as well to uncover the treasure. In Finland and several other northern countries, it was believed that early autumn was the best time to search for will-o'-the-wisps and treasures below them. It was believed that when someone hid treasure in the ground, he made the treasure available only on St. John's Day and set will-o'-the-wisp to mark the exact place and time so that he could come to take the treasure back, for then he could be fulfilled with treasures. The Arnavolkea in Finnish mythology are spots where an eternal flame associated with will-o'-the-wisp burns. They are claimed to mark the places where fairy gold is buried. They are protected by a glamour that would prevent anyone finding them by pure chance. However, if one finds a fern seed from a mythical flowering fern, the magical properties of that seed will lead the fortunate person to these treasures, in addition to providing one with a glamour of invisibility. Since in reality the fern produces no flower and reproduces via spores under the leaves, the myth specifies that it blooms only extremely rarely. The will-o'-the-wisp can be found in various folk tales around the United Kingdom and is often a malicious character in the stories. In Welsh folklore, it's said that the light is fairy fire held in the hand of a puka, a small goblin-like fairy that mischievously leads lone travelers off the beaten path at night. As the traveler follows the puka through the marsh or bog, the fire is extinguished, leaving them lost. The puka is said to be one of the Tilwith Teg, or fairy family. In Wales, the light predicts a funeral that will take place soon in the locality. Wirt Sykes, in his book British Goblins, mentions the following Welsh tale about pukas. A peasant traveling home at dusk sees a bright light traveling along ahead of him. Looking closer, he sees that the light is a lantern held by a dusky little figure, which he follows for several miles. All of a sudden, he finds himself standing on the edge of a vast chasm with a roaring river of water rushing below him. At that precise moment, the lantern carrier leaps across the gap, lifts the light high over its head, lets out a malicious laugh, and blows out the light, leaving the poor peasant a long way from home, standing in pitch darkness at the edge of a precipice. This is a fairly common, cautionary tale concerning the phenomenon. However, the Ennis Fatuus was not always considered dangerous. There are some tales told about the will-o'-the-wisp being guardians of treasure, much like the Irish leprechaun leading those brave enough to follow them to sure riches. Other stories tell of travelers getting lost in the woodland and coming upon a will-o'-the-wisp, and depending on how they treated the will-o'-the-wisp, the spirit would either get them lost further in the woods or guide them out. Also related, the pixie light from Devon and Cornwall is most often associated with the pixie, who has often led travelers away from the safe and reliable route and into the bogs with glowing lights. Like poltergeist, they can generate uncanny sounds. They were less serious than their German Weissefrauenkin, 
frequently blowing out candles on unsuspecting courting couples or producing obscene kissing sounds, which are always misinterpreted by parents. Pixie light was also associated with lambent light, which the old Norse might have seen guarding their tombs. In Cornish folklore, pixie light also has associations with the colt pixie. A colt pixie is a pixie that has taken the shape of a horse and enjoys playing tricks such as neighing at the other horses to lead them astray. In Guernsey, the light is known as the faux boulanger, which is rolling fire, and is believed to be a lost soul. On being confronted with the specter, tradition prescribes two remedies. The first is to turn one's cap or coat inside out. This has the effect of stopping the faux boulanger in its tracks. The other solution is to stick a knife into the ground, blade up, and the foe will attack the blade. In an attempt to kill itself, the will of the wisp was also known as the spunky in the Scottish Highlands, where it would take the form of a link boy, who was a boy who carried a flaming torch to light the way for pedestrians in exchange for a fee, or else simply a light that always seemed to recede in order to lead unwary travelers to their doom. The spunky has also been blamed for shipwrecks at night after being spotted on land and mistaken for a harbor light. Other tales of Scottish folklore regard these mysterious lights as omens of death or the ghosts of once living human beings. They often appeared over locks or on roads along which funeral processions were known to travel. A strange light sometimes seen in the Hebrides is referred to as the Taina, Sith, or fairy light, though there was no formal connection between it and the fairy race. The Australian equivalent, known as the Min Min light, is reportedly seen in parts of the outback after dark. The majority of sightings are reported to have occurred in the Channel Country region. Stories about the lights can be found in Aboriginal myth predating western settlement of the region and have since become part of wider Australian folklore. Indigenous Australians hold that the number of sightings has increased alongside the increasing ingression of Europeans into the region. According to folklore, the lights sometimes followed or approached people and have disappeared when fired upon, only to reappear later. Shoot at me, I'm going to disappear too. In literature, will-o'-the-wisp sometimes has a metaphorical meaning, describing a hope or goal that leads one on but is impossible to reach, or something one finds sinister and confounding. In Book 9 of John Milton's Paradise Lost, lines 631 to 642, Satan is compared to a will-o'-the-wisp when he leads Eve to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It reads, As a flame, which oft they say, some evil spirit attends, hovering and blazing with delusive light, misleads the amazed night wanderer from his way to bogs and mires, and oft through pond or pool, there swallowed up and lost, from succor far. Two will-o'-the-wisps appear in Johann Wolfgang von Goethe's fairy tale, The Green Snake and the Beautiful Lily, from 1795. 
They are described as lights which consume gold and are capable of shaking gold pieces again from themselves. The Will of the Wisp makes an appearance in the first chapter of Bram Stoker's Dracula as the Count, masquerading as his own coach driver, takes Jonathan Harker to his castle in the night. The following night, when Harker asks Dracula about the lights, the Count makes reference to a common folk belief about the phenomenon, saying that they mark where treasure is buried. In Lewis Carroll's The Hunting of the Snark from 1876, the term is part of the description of the snark. The first is the taste, which is meager and hollow, but crisp, like a coat that is rather too tight in the waist, with the flavor of will-o'-the-wisp. In J.R.R. Tolkien's work, The Lord of the Rings, will-o'-the-wisps are present in the dead marshes outside of Mordor, when Frodo Baggins and Samwise Gamgee make their way through the bogs, the spindly creature Golem tells them not to follow the lights, meaning the will-o'-the-wisps. He tells them that if they do, they will keep the dead company and have little candles of their own. The Hinky Punk, the name for a will-o'-the-wisp in southwest England, has achieved fame as a magical beast in J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series. In the books, a hinky punk is a one-legged, frail-looking creature that appears to be made of smoke. It is said to carry a lantern and mislead travelers. The children's fantasy series The Spiderwick Chronicles by Holly Black and Tony DiTerlizzi includes Will-o'-the-Wisps, and they are listed in Arthur Spiderwick's Guide to the Fantastical World Around You. In the series, Will-o'-the-Wisps are described as fat fireflies that lead travelers astray. Civil War Confederate soldier and author Sam Watkins writes in his war memoir, Company H, about witnessing jack-o'-lanterns, or in his spider-eye, while standing watch late in the night near Corinth, Mississippi in early October of 1862. So what are will-o'-the-wisps? Naturally occurring chemical reactions? Or benevolent beings? Or evil little critters? I'm not sure we'll ever find out for certain, nor am I sure that we really need to find out. Let's just enjoy the mysterious moments we find ourselves living in. Well, that's the show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Be with me next week as we come back with another story or another group of stories for Terry's Mysterious Moments. I want to remind you that on Mondays, Aaron Hunter brings you Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast, which is listener stories that Aaron tells, mostly ghost stories. On Tuesdays, we have Aaron Frail with Aaron's Horror Show where he reviews horror movies, different books, uh, things that he's written. Wednesdays, it's me, Terry's Mysterious Moments, with me, Terry from Texas, where we cover just about anything you can think of. We also have video productions on the first Friday of the month from Full Dark Productions, from The Witching Hour, and from Unexplained Cases. Also remember that you can go to your app store, whether you have an Apple or an Android. You can go to your app store, look for the RPA app, 
it's a black square with a blue eye right in the middle of it. You can't miss it. And you can download that app, install it into the device you uh, listen to the programs on, and that way you will not have to go looking for the programs. They'll be right there. Do that. It'll be a lot easier for you to get to the stories. That's about it. I hope everybody has a good week. Thanks for being here. Bye-bye. Thank you.